Welcome to our special weekly podcast, SME SOS. Each week I'll be sharing this additional podcast taken from my weekly live interviews on Instagram with industry leaders and founders, all of whom share their insights and advice for businesses navigating this unprecedented time of uncertainty, but also opportunity. My usual podcast, Conversations of Inspiration, is still coming out every Monday where I share soulful founder stories or those who simply inspire me. But thanks to Dell, we are able to continue creating this unique podcast for the small business community at a time where we need all the advice we can get. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down where we're going. You won't need to bring your frown. I'm so thrilled to be back recording these special episodes after a summer that seemed to have whizzed by. September is among us again and while some weeks have now passed and as we head back into some form of lockdown, it seems only right that SME SOS returns. But there is a distinct change in the air. Yes, the news agenda might be a bit bleak, but there is a buzz around small businesses. And it is an optimism shared by my two guests today, Kate Halfpenny, founder of Bridal Brand, and Halfpenny London and Alice River Cripps, founder of Posh Totty Designs. It's something that Mark Constantine, founder of Lush, and Roger Wade, founder of Box Park, also spoke of a while back. But it really does seem that there is proof in the pudding as we hear more and more stories of exceptional sales in recent months. Consumers really are valuing small. And whilst we don't know what 2021 will hold, now is the time to think big and bold because Christmas is set to be huge. I'm calling it the biggest small business Christmas ever. Both of my guests this week joined me live on my IGTV and not only shared some of their experiences over the last few months as well as their lessons, but answered so many of your brilliant questions that came flooding in. If you did miss it and want to hear the full interview from my guests this week, do head over to my Instagram. So first up is the brilliant Kate Halfpenny, founder of the bridal brand Halfpenny London. A favourite amongst the celebrity brides, Halfpenny London has had huge success. But the wedding industry has been amongst those hardest hit through COVID. So I was eager to hear Kate's insights on how she has navigated this time as well as what the future holds for the bridal industry. I loved Kate's approach to designing for every body type the way she spoke about passion as the secret to the success of her brand, as well as sharing her support for internship in the fashion industry. Here she is. Good morning or good afternoon. We're in the middle of the day. Thank you for having me, Holly. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait to talk to you because, you know, it felt like I wrote a post this morning and, you know, my wedding's, you know, not going according to plan. And... I can imagine that everything's not gone according to plan for you. And I was just wondering how, we're going to get into work, but how have you navigated this time? Yeah. And whereas I've got that feeling like, it's almost like, okay, what are you going to do the second time round? Exactly what we did the first time round and hold everybody's hands really tightly. And it's, I, I couldn't believe when I read the news this morning in bed and I said to my husband, oh my God, my bride. And he just went that. We went then for coffee after and he said, that is just really interesting that you said that it wasn't, you know, what about my business? It was about my brides. And that is 
genuinely my heart felt oh my gosh and you being a bride too it's like all the organizing it takes to make a wedding let alone organizing it two three four times for some people i got more messages on instagram this morning just saying oh gosh i mean that it's kind of it's so confusing isn't it no but it's so confusing so how did you when you got that news what what were your thoughts and how have you navigated that time i mean i went off the pivoting word but i'm sort of back on it now i don't, I don't mind the p word so much you know was there pivoting that was going on most definitely i mean what we did in order to to hold the hands of our brides that were booked in that were having a first appointment to keep them inspired we started doing virtual appointments and actually this model has been something that's really inspired us moving forward we're finding brides come to us they've got more of a sense of what they actually like from our collection because it's so big the virtuals have been a, a blessing rest assured you know we were proud to be calling our brides before they had to call us to to follow up on yes. anything and and i think what COVID has taught us it's, it's so important to, to nurture people and look after people. And, and I think the reflection of businesses that I've had to deal with over things and how they've treated me, it, it's, it's made me want to have a lifelong partnership with them or it's made me kind of think, oh, that's not okay to deal with people like that. We're all in this together. Tell me, um, if you go right back to the beginning of your story, what I just love is, you know, you, you've already described yourself as not necessarily academic. Um, as soon as your GCSEs were done, you were straight out yeah, to art college. Out and then you had an internship at none other than Vivian Westwood. Yeah. Um, what were those early days like? Because my prediction is we will see more businesses start in 2020 than ever before on record. Yeah. So I feel like these stories about the beginning help people understand that you might be so successful now, but there was a time where you were just starting. Can you take us back for that, on that story, on that journey? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wasn't academic. I really didn't love school. And then got on to do a fashion degree in Yorkshire, loved it, wasn't necessarily the best. And I don't think throughout my whole kind of creative journey, I was necessarily the best designer in the class or but i just mm -hmm. i just had that love and that passion i think if you've got those elements to wanting to start a business then you can surround yourself with people that can enhance everything that you know you're not necessarily great at and as long as you believe in what you're doing then i'd say go for it were you sort of comfortable with your weaknesses no, not at the I beginning wasn't. me too you know no. it takes a few good decades doesn't it yeah <laughs> i'm in my mid-40s now and it and it and i would say it took me to 40 to actually realize that my failures are not my weakness actually they are you know it's that question isn't it what would you tell your younger self and it's just hold your head up high and be proud of of who you are and you know a good human and gosh what a, a good human so when you think about your journey now you went to then to become a stylist for 15 years um and you started um, before starting Halfpenny um, in 2005 from the classic living room table from the kitchen table yeah. you you started um, and I spoke to a jewellery brand yesterday um, who had this ridiculous early growth you also were very successful from the beginning how did you you know go with this and stay afloat I I used to work all hours God sent really I was working Monday to Friday as a as a stylist doing TV commercials and sometimes took taking me abroad and then I'd work Saturday and Sunday seeing brides and showing them my collection and 
it was 2005 when I officially launched my website as well. So I graduated in the late 90s and was and I started doing wedding dresses on the side with my styling back oh, then while I was okay. doing the masters as well. And then in 2005, did Amelia Fox's wedding dresses, who I'd been styling. And we bumped into somebody at Vogue magazine. They said, let's give you a tour of Vogue. And it was just like that whole devil wears Prada thing. And they said, oh, we're doing a shoot on weddings. And then they featured one of my belts in the, in the feature. And they said, can we have your website for the credit? And I was like, website? I don't have a website. So <laughs> Amelia said, oh, well, let me just chuck on a few dresses and I'll model the dress you made for me and the other one and all your vintage ones that I'd been collecting for years that I did show brides to inspire them. And Millie and I just did a shoot with a, a gorgeous friend, Kat, and that was it. It begun. And then Amelia modeled the next two or three shoots, which I suppose gave me an element of credibility, really, having such a, you know, a, a British sort of iconic actress you know she was massive in silent witness which had kind of catapulted her being in the fox yeah. dynasty and yeah it was just so amazing that she was she was just such a gorgeous and loyal friend that she yeah what a great leg up that was huh yeah. i mean that was just uh it's those moments isn't it that's you know that can bless you i've got a few comments actually i'm going yeah. to read Social on Toast, what a great handle name. Kate, you're literally just spoken to me. Open the bakery. I yes. think you just created a business then. Good. I just literally just think that you did it. Just there. We've just seen a business birth live here. Social on Toast, we wish you luck. Go and open your bakery. Do it. Do um, it. I've got another question. They haven't left their, um, their details. It is notoriously hard to start out in the fashion industry. What are your biggest tips? Internships. We recruit from our interns nearly 70% of the time because right. just the, the joy and love that we get from watching these amazing graduates or school leavers or somebody that's just wanting a career change that comes into the business. And my complete right-hand woman has been with me five years now and started off as an intern and we've got a, an amazing apprentice that's stepping up gradually and it just shows your dedication it, you're able to show your skills I mean go to a company smaller companies are better because like my company there's there's 18 of us now we took three new people on last week and um you get to do more you get to be more hands-on yes you're going to make cups of tea and empty the bins and run out for loo roll but nothing I wouldn't expect myself to do. So yeah, apprentice, apprentice schemes and internships for sure. I think you're right. And I'm interested that you hired three new people last week because taking that leap into saying, you know, I'm going to have an okay 2021. Have you decided that Kate, that, you know, you're, you're going for it. We are going for it. We think we're going to be busier than we've ever been next year. And there's loads of incredible schemes if businesses take on people that have been made redundant and are, are claiming credit there's a hundred percent i believe contribution towards taking on apprentices so this is the perfect opportunity for businesses out there to, to start um recruiting people but you know what that's just a really interesting thing you know the the, the next theme of holly and co is being the change and there are a lot of amazing people right now being made redundant who might yeah. be claiming the dog might be doing something they've never done before you know yeah. is that the moment you can change someone's life most definitely 100 percent. yeah um right going back to you you know you basically have created this phenomenal brand i totally adore your style i lost a good 
two hours in the vortex of your website. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. And what I just loved is that when I just salivated over your website and your designs, the fact you do celebrate all body shapes, the fact you celebrate the time, you know, from jumpsuits to um, the bigger dresses, to the tighter dresses, to the shorter, to the longer, but all connected so that you look all part as one, but you're really building design for real women. You know, were you always like this? Did you always have that in the back of your mind? Or have you just, as you've grown as a designer, become more confident to allow confidence in who you're dressing? I've always been like this. I mean, I'm a size 20 myself. I can't walk into a high street store necessarily and buy clothes that fit me. Um, I think my career as a stylist, dressing everyone from Rihanna to Shirley Bassey, you know, these bodies are all different with Erin O'Connor in the middle and a Kate Moss on the side and then Mick Hucknall. It's like I've dressed every body shape, male or female, and all yeah. of those have informed my design. It's just an obvious thing, you know, we aren't all the same and we need to celebrate our differences. That's what makes us incredible and, and unique. It, it feels, um, it's like the best things, isn't it? It feels obvious. It feels like it should have been there always, you know. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to ask my final question, which was, when we think, of, you know, I was just at my shop today and it was bustling and we have the social distancing stickers and we're actually, we had the best August ever. So that's a bit ridiculous. Um, tell me what you feel about the high street now. And, you know, you've got your own um, physical space and, 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 and what that's going to look like. You know, there's, is there two ways of thinking about this? Are the dinosaurs going to go and they need to go anyway? and actually the model needs to be updated. Is it an independent high street that's going to bloom or are we slightly doomed? I really strongly believe the independent high street is about to research. I think people are gonna just, they're gonna take these leaps of faith. They're gonna feel like this pandemic was all a message for them to, to go out there and do that. And, and with all the grants available and with all, so many people wanting to, to support other people and for people jumping into bed with other people to make incredible businesses. I think, yeah, independent high street, the dinosaurs must leave. I mean, yeah. yeah. Dinosaurs, whoever you are, um, you need to leave and you need to make space for the independent high street. And I just love what you just said that is also, um, isn't it, it, as you said, it's just always like that sort of slightly that you say, fuck it moment. You know, it's yeah. like, right. I'm just going to go and do this. But I love that idea, and I, I don't know about you, mixing it up like a cocktail that's never been created before. What if you put a hairdresser with a something else? What if you put a bridal designer with someone else? You know, what are you, if you're able to share the risks? What if the back of the studio is online because you know that that's 60% of your sales, but... Yeah. You know, exactly. It's, you should bring up sharing the space as well, because when I took the leap of faith and rented my first building on Woburn Walk, which is from the council, um, I thought, well, I ensured that when I got the lease written, it said that I was allowed to sublet um, a portion of my space. So always make sure you get somebody to read your, your leases and things. But look at that possibility and do, for example, if you do want to set up a dress shop, 
or an art gallery maybe you find a little barista that can just have a little coffee machine at the front and and you can share that space yes. but it's something that complements i always thought you know maybe i'll have a florist in the front of the wedding dress shop and unfortunately yes. for me we just ran out of space within five minutes and then needed another shop and and hopefully that happens to you too but do think about getting into bed with somebody that complements your your business your ethos you know but make sure you kind of wrap that up for when you get massive that you're going to need to say hang on a minute i can't fit you in here but let's go and get another bigger shop and we can grow together yeah. oh i love i love what you're saying and i'm really excited you know i love places like box park you know yeah. i think that's quite an ingenious invention and things like so it's, it, I, i'm really glad that you think it's independent as well yeah. and i i too i really think it will be and certainly when you hear what people are doing they're doing really well at the moment i yeah. have enjoyed so much our conversation Aww. thank you so much for helping everybody i know that there's been so many um really wonderful comments as we've been speaking and so it's just so nice i knew you'd be super cool and you are and i i can't wait to see you maybe in 3d where we can yes. discuss a second dress yes please do come and oh. visit and we'll hook you up with a bridesmaid sister i can't wait I'm always so happy to hear that there are others out there with thriving spaces on the high street that believe in the independent future as much as I do. We've touched on it before, this idea of teaming up with a complementary business and sharing space. I think it is such an ingenious idea and I'd love to know if any of you are already doing this. Do get in touch if you are as I'd love to shine a light on you. Looking back to the incredible back catalogue of founder stories I have captured for conversations of inspiration, I'm always overwhelmed by the rich lessons and insights that I have been lucky enough to hear firsthand. And I love going through the archives to see which interview I should revisit each week. And after speaking about sharing space and touching on Box Park with Kate, I immediately went back to listen to Roger Wade. I in fact visited the Shoreditch Box Park last week for my hen week and in all honesty it was the only shopping experience over the weekend in this era of Covid that had an essence of retail theatre. Kate touched on her first thought being her brides when she heard the second round of restrictions being brought in and Roger so brilliantly shared his customer-centric approach with me last year. All the fundamental lessons of business I think I learned in those first sort of five years, really. And something that's always lived with me since day one. It's, and I, I remember sort of meeting somebody quite early on in my Box Fresh days, who was a guy called Ted De Cruz, who was a, a big brand consultant for a company called uh, Wolf Holland's, quite a famous brand consultancy. And he, he said to me, and this is going back like 25 years, really early on in my career, he said, if you're not special to your customer, you will not exist. And that just stuck with me. That was just mm. something that somebody said to me. And from that moment, that just changed my life, really. That I always lived by that mantra of, like, if you're not special to the customer, you don't exist. So I've always been a very sort of customer-focused person. I'm a, a great believer that there's lots of people out there that are very good bean counters, but that you should trust your emotions. And I don't think we really trust our sort of emotional intelligence sometime and uh, I think some of the things that from my days of running Box Fresh you know in the latter days we would maybe make a thousand products a year and you, you have to trust your your senses you have to trust your own judgment 
And so I didn't look at spreadsheets to decide whether that was a good jacket or not, or that was a good T-shirt. I trusted my emotions. And that's, I think that's not encouraged enough in businesses mm. nowadays. I think we're sort of, we like to sort of overanalyze everything in business and don't trust our feelings. Don't trust the feeling of trying to create a special place for a customer or a special product for the customer or what the customer's thinking. And that's always been probably the the one thing that's driven my entrepreneurial career. After many years mentoring small businesses and championing women founders, the imposter syndrome is something which comes up as a consistent reason as to why women are holding back from building their own businesses. Fueling this imposter syndrome is a fear of tech. And so together with Dell Technologies, we want to take the first steps in empowering women in business. So each week, I'll be giving away an award-winning Dell XPS laptop and lots of other small business goodies to cheerlead you on your journey. This week's winner is Lucy, founder of Doodling Lucy. And she wrote... Doodling Lucy was created in 2016 after I finished my psychology degree. Having no idea what I wanted to do with my life, I turned to the one thing I truly enjoyed doing, creating cards and illustrations for my friends. Since then, I've been slowly but surely building up my business, venturing into calligraphy, wedding invites and stationery, whilst tying it with my two other passions, the English countryside and improving mental health awareness. Currently, I have a desktop, but no portable computer. A laptop would enable me to visit my clients for wedding invite meetings. Taking my online portfolio with me, not only this, but I love to support other small businesses, specifically coffee shops, so can take my work into a cosy corner of a coffee shop and spend half my earnings on coffee and cake. Lastly, whilst at university, I was given software that helps with the ongoing struggle of my moderate dyslexia, which is a right pain when you are a calligrapher. I am unable to use this software on my current desktop, so know that this will help immensely whilst reading up on all the business tips and advice there is on the internet. Thank you so much for all you do and for your podcast. It keeps me inspired each week. Oh, Lucy, I'm so thrilled to announce that you're the winner of the XPS laptop. To follow Lucy in her new business, you can find her at DoodlingLucy5. To be in with a chance, all you have to do is email us in with your story of why winning would change your business journey. We want creative and soulful tales of how you want to be empowered to take those next steps. You can email us at techinabox at holly.co or for all other details on how to enter, head over to holly.co. Each week, I'll pick one winner and share their story right here on this very podcast. Good luck. My second guest is Alice River Cripps, founder of Posh Totty Designs. Alice and I go way back to the very start of the Not on the High Street journey, as we discuss in this next clip. One of the greatest privileges of my life is watching dreams blossom, supporting and cheerleading founders as they grow their businesses, spotting raw talent and helping each founder navigate the pitfalls, celebrate the milestones and be a shoulder to cry on is a true honour. And as I've said in the past, I'll continue to do this until I'm 90. 
Alice was so generous with her time and answered so many brilliant questions from the community, especially relevant to those of you who are now working towards Christmas. So do head over to my Instagram to listen to the full interview. It's so lovely to see you. As I just was oh. saying, I, you know, follow you. I've loved watching you through lockdown. I've loved you know, all of these things. But I would love to ask you, um, I was just saying to everybody that we've had a journey, haven't we? We've had, a, we've had um, an amazing journey. You know, because we, our story goes back to 13 yes. years ago. There I was continuously touting for Not On The High Street, a, a brand <laughs> that no one knew. And I had to sort of in, explain the internet almost to people to understand what we were doing. And yeah. I knocked on and came in and we, we were there, weren't we? We spoke first off and you it was talked amazing. about the other not in the high street. Were they not in the high street sellers at the time above? You yeah. Yeah. Floor? Yeah. So yep. I had uh, cub kids. She was up there. Yes. Uh, and I think Alice Eden was up there and M Marie as well. So yes, yeah, so there's, a, there's a few people that were up in the, in the attic. But I remember so clearly because it was like yesterday. I remember you coming in with Frank and Harry and you just kind of came in and you were just like, I love it all. I love it all. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> I love all this jewellery so much. <laughs> that was, you know, for those who are listening, it was this moment where... You put your products on this website and we basically took this journey together. Yeah, like I remember having, I mean, on, on average, I'd probably, I worked out that every 25 customers, I might get one sale when I was up the alley. But I could see 25 customers in one whole week. So it was kind of like, you know, I, I maybe five orders. And I just remember, like, basically, I joined in the October and... I remember going from like five orders a week to maybe like 15 orders a week. And then, and then after two weeks, it was like 30 orders a week. Um, and then the Christmas after that, it was a thousand orders a day. Like we got one and it was like, how do you go to that? And how can you manage staff? And how can you do anything like that? If you've got that many orders coming through. So that was pretty crazy. And we were like little elves. We were all just like every friend, everyone I knew yes. was coming to help in that tiny little shop. And you know, the same time, this is the thing what I, I love about these sort of accounting stories. At that same time that you were exploding, we too were exploding. So we yeah. were almost having that same, you know, so we had a num loads of people having this thousand orders a day. And all I remember being was known as the person almost going, what do you mean you've gone out of stock? Go faster, go faster. Yeah. And we took these unbelievable journeys together. We would go through, wouldn't we, our Christmas peaks. We would then come into the worrying Januaries and the sales. Mm. And, do you remember the catalogues? And maybe you should the catalogs buy- catalogues are amazing. I've still got them all. I literally keep every single one. I've got them all. And But also just you were holding our hand the whole way. So that was what was amazing, is that you were kind of like a little cheerleader that kind of was like, come to the office. And you bring me to the office. I remember you used to have loads of cans of Coke like you'd be like, yeah, yeah have, some, have, some have some diet coke, more diet coke. <laughs> it was just amazing because you had yeah. such a light to kind of be like, actually, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And it was, you know, it was an incredible, it was, you know, I wish we could go back to those days because it was such an amazing time. I do as well. I do. And, you know, personalization in jewelry didn't happen. You know, this hadn't happened, had it? And suddenly customers were able to personalize their jewelry and I you know and I think about you know that time 
how did you scale? You know, for those, because there's a number of businesses at the moment that are having a Christmas every day, you know, that lockdown has been good for mm. them. Yeah. How yeah. did you cope with that? Did you ever get fearful of it? Or did you just think, I better embrace what I've got now before if I it think, runs out? Yeah, I think I definitely embraced. I think that's, that's definitely one word to describe it. Um, you know, de definitely embraced it. Like, oh, okay, we can do this. Um, but also I think, I think the, the scariest thing was that first employer, uh, employee, like that was the most terrifying thing, you know, get, making that first leap from doing it myself. But then as it grew, you kind of felt like, actually, do you know what? We do need someone over there. We do need someone over there. And, and also you've got a team that are telling you. So one of my favorite years was a year when we were in a really small space. We, we just had like, I think it was like a couple of years into it. Um, and we just moved into a space. And I remember one of the girls that worked for me was like was dating a guy that was in a band and then the next thing all the bands were in and they were all packing and we were kind of working all night and it was like trying to get it out as much you know try and do as much as we possibly could um and that was and it was really fun because we'd all be having beers we'd all be getting you know we'd all be getting in there all be getting involved um and then I think like over the last couple of years I took a step back from maybe that central role of actually getting involved and kind of thought oh I'm here to kind of grow the business and that was amazing and we kind of started to look globally and kind of, you know, we were like I went to China and we had, the, you know, the, all these amazing opportunities for the Department of International Trade and stuff like that. But actually what it took me away from was the core, why I started and what I loved and what, what, what I was most passionate about. So actually we are now back at that stage of just packing everything, you know, being in the whole, in all the stages. We're all a cog in this kind of trying to get this wheel yeah. working and trying to get it all running and we're all rowing in the same direction. So that's But you know, of... what's interesting, what you're saying is founders are going in, in. You know, yeah. you're actually getting back involved in the business. And, you yeah. know, is it, if that umbilical cord is really mm. stretched, did you notice that moment when you were on that plane and you were, you know, you were being the sort of, bigger CEO of your business, you know, you were doing that thing. Did you notice a detriment to the business? No, I think I was, I think I needed to go and see what there was out there. I think I, I felt like there was so many projects, there were so many opportunities out there. And I've always been someone that says yes to everything. Yes. And I think maybe I'm going to get some comments, but maybe in the earlier years of business, for those of you watching in your early years, it is right to say yes. Yes, 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 yes. Because you don't know until, you know, John Hegarty, I always say it, you know, he said, you know, do interesting things and interesting things will happen to you. So, you know, it's saying yes in those early years. And then maybe Absolutely. when you can take the risk of saying no, um, <laughs> that is where you can rely maybe on something else. Uh, you know, that's the other thing I was going to say about your other thing. Uh, the earlier question was that I would say that I've always um, been really, really careful when I started that I didn't go wild, you know, like you might have a really good Christmas, but if you want to do this job for the rest of your life, you need to keep that money in the pot, you know, and I didn't have big investors or anything like that. So it was just very much like, we have got to look at what we've got and we've got to get through a whole year and how much does it cost each month to survive? So. Weather the storm. And I think that that's, you know, one of the things, you know, over the years of not on the high street, you know, you were growing phenomenally, but you did have your eye on those risks to your business, you know, mm. in cash. And I talk about it a lot of times and we've spoken to experts about it. But, you know, the point is, if you want to build a good life business, if you want to build a business that's going to be there when you, you might be 60, 70 years, old 
then this is the long term. I've got a few comments, wood, paper, scissors. I see you commenting all the time. So happy you're back. I'm so happy I'm back. Um, in response to Alice talking about NOS huge orders, Basil and Ford, we nearly closed our business and NOS did the same for us. I'm so happy to hear, or Basil mm. and Ford, the most amazing people. Brown Bear Ripley, our orders exploded in lockdown. May alone was around 15 times last December. I mean, yeah. isn't that just yeah. incredible? And I'm hearing more um, about this sort of explosion, maybe for some people, that is it the small business era now? I think 100%. I, I know that we sell in a department store, um, a beautiful department store, and they're, and they're actually independent. They're a family-run department store. But we were doing so well in that store before lockdown and then our stores were always a bit of a struggle you know we were on it you know we we're kind of tucked away and we we're kind yeah. of small independence and then suddenly after lockdown our store was doing way better than that big department store amazing to see i've got a question um the divine rebels hi holly i have no idea what to do about christmas okay alice <laughs> this is your mastermind specialized subject isn't it um i'm sat here just thinking ah I launched in April and just navigating the early uh, early days of my business. Any advice? Over to you. Well, we're talking about a whole new Christmas, aren't we? I would say that potentially we're going to have a lockdown Christmas. So I think people will be buying more meaningful gifts and sending them. So as long as you've got products that you can send through the post, um, yeah. I would say people may well be at home. So kits and creative kits that you can do especially things that are creative kits related to Christmas because you could get the kids doing kind of you know designing the Christmas table or whatever um, I think make sure you've got enough of a team in place like start looking now so that you've got the people especially if you need people that are skilled you know you need to start training them um, but I think we're just gonna have to play this one by ear but I, it could be the best Christmas we ever have in terms of people buying meaningful gifts and steering away from big mass produced stuff and the fact that they might be able to get them from the Chinese factories and stuff. So they might go more British, um, you know, and here's hoping, but I think, you know, not on the high street have got, you know, they know what they're doing. They're, they're, they're marketing everything really well. Um, and they've got, you know, they'll be looking after us. So hopefully it will all be good. Good um, luck. Uh, well, and also, you know, I've got to say, I'm going to talk about, I, I don't know what I'm going to call it, but this is the biggest small Christmas ever. Um, I am so thrilled to be chatting to you today. You know, it, it has just been a phenomenal journey. And I'm, I'm so privileged that I get to... I get to still have these relationships, you know? It's just, it's very, very special to me, Alice. And um, do you know what I mean? Like, we're in it together. And you heard it here first. It's going to be the biggest small Christmas ever. And um, I'm, I'm wishing you everything. Bye, <laughs> bye, darling, bye. I hope that hearing Alice's journey has inspired you on your own. At whatever stage, whether you are early stages and have just taken the leap to follow your dreams or are you a few years further into your business, the lessons that Alice shared today are equally relevant, particularly ensuring that you as a founder are in-in. Far easier when it's just you running the show, but as you grow, do you retain this important piece of knowledge? 
As a founder who's in-in, I'm acutely aware that it is down to me to drive the ship forward and keep that momentum. During lockdown, I was driving forward hard, making instinctive decisions, and every day felt like we were carving a new future for the business. So I don't know about you, but as life begins to return to this relative normality, you know, the school run begins and we count down to Christmas, I felt myself a little bit of a loss, lacking that urgency and slight panic that got me six months ago. I've had to dig extra deep to move mountains to ensure that we end the year in a great position for 2021. I guess my reflection is that there is nothing like a bit of chaos and panic to get you focused. So when the frantic day-to-day subsides and the normality resumes, how do you keep the ship moving at pace? I spent this week making lots of lists, working through exactly what the priorities are that will make fundamental difference to the business and ensuring the team are all fully aware of them. It's easy as a founder to fall into this trap of shielding your team from the realities of what you are dealing with. I call it being mother. But what I have learned is that the more the team understands what is on your shoulders, the more you're able to delegate and the more the team will rally around and ensure you are all pulling in the same direction. It is a lesson that I have learned the hard way. In my past, I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders and invariably, eventually, that heavy weight will hold you back and slow you down. So I do hope that this insight helps you along your own path. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will be back with this special every Thursday. And don't forget that every Monday, Conversations of Inspiration is released. Last week, it was with genuinely one of the most phenomenal and groundbreaking women I have ever had the pleasure to talk to, Kenya King CBE, founder of the Mobo Awards. And this Monday, it is with the brilliant Will Beckett, co-founder of the restaurant chain Hawksmoor. And finally, you haven't heard me say this for a while, but before you go, I'm going to ask you to help me with conversations of inspiration. If you love it, I need you. I need you as my ambassadors to help spread the word of these amazing founders and their incredible stories. So can you help me? And if you do spread the word, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I wish you the best week you can imagine yourself. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you, Del, for helping us bring this free podcast to life. And if you want to hear all about the latest experts joining me, follow me on Instagram at Holly Tucker and sign up to my weekly email or head to holly.co to find out more. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down. Where we're going, you won't need to bring your frown. Find that all the things that I have said will come to when you are lying in your bed, and if you want your friends to come.